Hello and welcome to the Soccer History USA podcast. On today's episode, New Faces in New Places. The inaugural campaign of the American Soccer League featured a number of positives. Going into the second season, the organization hoped to build on those successes and continue growing the professional game in the United States. Change was in the air, however, and the 1922-23 season brought in both new faces and new franchises. According to one report, New York Field Club was the only team to turn a profit in the ASL's first year. Other sources claim that J&P Coates, Fall River, and Holyoke just about broke even, while Harrison, Todd Shipyards, and eventual champions Philadelphia tallied huge losses. One result of this situation was the withdrawal of a couple of teams and changes in two more. Although there were reports to the contrary, it's likely that the Falcos' dismal performance on the field was accompanied by an equally bad showing on the financial books. As a result, big-time professional soccer left Western Massachusetts. Todd Shipyards, despite their recent success in National Cup competitions, also withdrew. New owners came on board in Philadelphia, promising to compete with a team composed almost entirely of local lads. Fall River also changed hands, bringing into the league a man who would eventually become one of its most important personalities, Sam Mark. Born Samuel Markelevich in Fall River in 1897, Mark worked at the family business, a wholesaler dealing in everything from hosiery to notions, toys, and sporting goods. Although he had experience running a baseball team, he seems to have had little connection to soccer until Thomas Cahill asked Mark to take over the city's ASL franchise in 1922. The decision reveals that Cahill and the ASL recognized the potential of the sport in the city and perhaps also the importance of the city to the league. They so wanted a team in Fall River that they were willing to entrust the franchise to a 24-year-old with little soccer background. In addition to new ownership in Philly and Fall River, the 1922-23 ASL season featured the debut of Bethlehem Steel, now playing under its own name. It was believed that the dispute over the divisions of gate receipts that had kept them out of the first season was resolved by dividing those receipts 80-20 in favor of the home side. A new-to-the-league franchise called the Patterson Silk Sox meant that there would now be two clubs calling New Jersey home. The final team, Brooklyn Wanderers, would not join play until November. The Brooklyn side also brought Nathan Agar into the league. Agar, who hailed from the historically important soccer hotbed of Sheffield in England, arrived in the U.S. in 1906. Off the field, he worked as an accountant. On the field, he served many roles, player, coach, and even sometimes as referee. He had helped found the United States Football Association in 1913 and was especially active in amateur soccer in New York. By the time the dust settled, the ASL once again began with eight teams competing for the title. Bethlehem Steel, Brooklyn Wanderers, Fall River, Harrison, JMP Coates, New York, Philadelphia, and Patterson. And now for some headlines from off the pitch. Political chaos in Italy as the government imposed martial law in five provinces. Fascists seized the San Giorgio Palace in Genoa, vowing to prevent socialist unions from controlling the city's waterfront. 
Army troops, aided by dock workers, surrounded the building, but after bloody fighting that left five dead, were unable to dislodge the fascisti. President of the Retail Malt Beverage Dealers Association, Ernest Kundi, argued that the anticipated positive results of referendums in several states would convince Congress that people wanted beer. He also warned that drinking beverages from unlicensed and inexperienced home breweries could cause lasting damage to the stomach. Dean West of Princeton University responded to critics who claimed that the school's country club atmosphere distracted from its educational mission. Instead, he claimed that the stately elms and gothic arches seem in some ancestral way to embody the feelings and longings of academic life and to breathe the spirit of the studies themselves. In sports, the flying fin Pavo Nurmi wowed a home crowd by setting a world record in the 3,000 meters, shaving almost five seconds off the previous best time. Less than a month later in Sweden, he set a new mark of 14 minutes 35 seconds in the 5,000 meters, besting a record that had stood for 10 years. Along with changes to the roster of teams, the new ASL season also saw quite a bit of player movement. Since contracts generally only lasted for a single season, most players were free to sign with any club. Perhaps the biggest surprise was Player of the Year Harold Britton signing with Fall River rather than Bethlehem Steel. Two other key members of the title-winning Philadelphia side also changed teams, Jock Ferguson and Whitey Fleming, as both moved to JMP Coates. With the dissolution of Todd Shipyards, its star players went looking for other teams. The Mac attack split up as George McKelvey signed with New York, while Frank McKenna and Jack McGuire moved to Patterson. Joining McKenna and McGuire in New Jersey was their teammate goalkeeper Pete Renzulli, one of the top netminders in the league, along with experienced striker John Rabbit Hemingsley. Having missed out on retaining some of its key players, Bethlehem Steel was left with just three players from the previous season, and only Billy Forrest remained from the Steelmakers' last title-winning squad. As a result, the club looked abroad to replenish its ranks. At least eight projected starters arrived from Scotland and England, including former Falkirk and Liverpool man Robert Terrace. Just five foot nine inches and 154 pounds, Terrace had been part of the red side that toured Scandinavia in 1914 but afterwards struggled to make it into the first team. One of the better signings looked to be outside left Malcolm Goldie. Born in 1895, Goldie joined newly formed Clydebank FC in 1914. After the club was relegated from the Scottish First Division, Goldie may have been looking for a new challenge. Known more as a creator than a scorer, he still netted about 25 goals in over 200 appearances for his Scottish club. The sponsor of today's show is Long, the custom hatter. Long is the largest retailer of Stetson hats in Brooklyn. Now featuring final reductions on all Long straws, Panamas originally priced at $15 have been marked down to just four. Leghorns, Bangkoks, and Bally Buntles are just $2.50. In its first season, the ASL began play in early September. However, league play for the second season did not start until October. One reason for this was the visit of the Dick Kerr ladies team of England. 
The Dick Kerr Company was founded in 1900 and initially made railway stock. During World War I, production shifted and the firm began manufacturing ammunition. Also due to the conflict, women replaced men at the factory, and by 1917, the workers had organized an all-female soccer team. The club initially played matches to raise money for the war effort, and once the conflict ended, continued to compete in charity matches both at home and in France. The Football Association's decision in December 1921 to ban female players from sanctioned pitches meant that the ladies began to look elsewhere. The 1922 tour of the United States was initially going to also include matches in Canada, but upon arriving, the club learned that Canadian officials had decided to honor the FA's ban on female participation. As a result, they looked to the U.S., but found few organized women's teams, and so the decision was made to match them against some of the country's top male professional clubs, including several from the ASL. The first game of the tour was played on September 24, 1922. The visitors squared off against ASL debutantes Patterson before 5,000 people in Clifton, New Jersey. In the lineup for Patterson were three future Hall of Famers, Tommy Duggan, Pete Renzulli, and Jack McGuire. Patterson opened the scoring after just eight minutes, but the game remained tight, with the home side holding a narrow 2-1 lead at the half. The New York Times praised the skills of players such as Lily Parr, writing, her driving from the wing and the accuracy of her shots left little to be desired. The women also did not shy away from contact, including a crunching tackle that brought down McGuire. Nevertheless, Patterson pulled away in the second half, and the match ended with a score of 6-3 in favor of Patterson. Overall, the tour was deemed a success, even if it only broke even financially. As the Dick Kerr ladies set sail for home, the preseason drew to a close and the ASL clubs would soon embark on their second campaign for the title. Would the new clubs pose a challenge or would the experienced sides prove too difficult to overcome? Which new signings would excel and which would disappoint? Find out on upcoming episodes of the Soccer History USA podcast. Sources for today's program included Spalding's Soccer Football Guide, Colin Joes' The American Soccer League, and Dave Litterer's American Soccer History Archive. Additional information came from DickKerLadies.com, www.BethlehemSteelSoccer.org, and the archives of the New York Times. Music from Archive.org. Thank you for listening to the Soccer History USA podcast. For more information, visit www.soccerhistoryusa.org and follow me on Twitter at Soccer History US. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Thank you. <laughs>